Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. Hello, welcome mamas and daddies and papas and friends of all ages. We're so excited today. We have Nadine Woods. Um, she is the founder of Maternal Goddess and uh, Mayana, how do you say it? Mayana Javier. Yeah, Mayana, Mayana, why can't I say it? <laughs> Mayana Javiev. She's an inventor, mama, philanthropist, and feminist. Nadine is the founder of the Maternal Goddess, a nonprofit organization dedicated to shining a light on the fourth trimester and helping support women in their journey of motherhood, aiming to make maternal and postpartum health a universal topic of discussion. Nadine works with a team of industry experts to provide fact-based information regarding recovery, a focus on peri, pre, and postnatal health and wellness and everything. And she makes the sexiest fucking lingerie on the planet. Yeah, I feel like that's really my day job. The lingerie is, is your day really job. My, yeah, and the, and the maternal goddess is like your side hustle, your passion. Yeah, it's yeah, the passion. Okay, so tell us about you, Nadine. Tell us what well, I didn't read. Where are you from? Um, where I'm from? Where? Like in like terms you're, of you're from Toronto. I'm from Toronto. And your ethnic background? My ethnic background. Yeah. I'm from the Caribbean. My parents yes, you're so Caribbean. beautiful. Thank She's you. Spouse like, gorgeous. You're just gorgeous. Sorry for yeah. our listeners. Sorry. Are you so. blushing? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So my parents yeah. are Caribbean. Um, what what I do in my day is yeah. I create ethically made luxury lingerie based out of the junction here in Toronto. We produce everything right here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the only brand that makes clasp-free nursing bras so that you can wear it at any stage of your life. Clasp free nursing bras that's okay yeah class free Mm -hmm. so it kind of came through because i had my daughter and i was actually shocked and just appalled by the type of undergarments that were available for women after they had children and just the most important parts of you know that transition of being a woman Mm -hmm. and not really being supported and it's really interesting because now it's such an intimate thing and you end up getting people just really pour their heart out when they're trying on pieces it's like it's almost as if there is a protocol for coming in, like the shaving, like I didn't shave today. I haven't lost any weight. Oh, excuse my stretch marks. I haven't got, you know, all these little things that come up and then Mm -hmm. that kind of goes into more intimate things that women kind of divulge when we're going into that process of how much their body has changed. They don't recognize their breasts, their stomach, everything. So that's pretty much what I do on a daily basis. And then a portion of that proceeds goes towards the Mm non-for-profit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We've spoken many times before about how, Pretty much everyone, I think. I don't think there's any woman that delivers and doesn't feel yucky after in some kind of right. capacity. And uh, your body changes, you're exhausted, like you're breastfeeding or not, whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. it's very, it's it's not a nice feeling, right? No. And, you know, you might feel, you know, amazing during pregnancy and like you might be more voluptuous, but it's, even we've talked to before, like how your belly is firm. Like there's like right. a firmness there. And so it doesn't matter if it's bigger, it's not like loose and saggy and squishy, you know, like it would be after you deliver. So you deliver and then you're like, what is this? Like right. my body doesn't look like I expected it to. My boobs don't look at all like they're supposed to, right. et cetera. So I can imagine you see a lot of women coming in yes. with a lot of kind of shame and guilt and anxiety. And, and, and shock. Yeah. We, we did a fitting with Alana. And Alana came in pretty sure she was like a double D. She kept saying it over and over again. What? Double D? Where the double fuck did you get that shit And I kept saying, not even a little bit. Into an F, we, yeah. She's an F cup. I don't know yeah. what, what you are now, but that was, that was I'm a few only months F, ago. Actually. That was like, I would have thought you'd be bigger. Hmm. Well, okay. well, so it's not talking about my tits no. anymore. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you you Instagram, you like have your boobs all day every day. Best yeah. We're all in the yeah. business of tits over here. Yeah. yeah. I kind of am actually. I never thought about yeah, it that way, but I really am <laughs> in the business of tits. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Breastfeeding all day is my life. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I think that's actually one of the biggest shocks too. People don't really realize what size they are until yeah. they come in. And I think the stats are what, like 90% of people are wearing the wrong bra size or something? Yeah. But then I feel like all this whole industry is just meant, designed to psychologically mess with women mm-hmm. you know so. what I mean like so. 
even like genes, you know, you could be an eight over here and then like a four over here. It it really depends on the brand. It's, it's just designed to make women feel bad about themselves and buy more things. So So that's what you think it is like a hundred percent. It's van. It's called vanity sizing. Okay. So tell me, so tell me about that. What do you mean? So vanity sizing is when brands create an actual size based on true measurements, but because it doesn't really, um, how do I say it? It might affect their demographic. So they'll, they'll change the number. So you'll see like gap would have bigger sizes than if you were to go into BB. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Like the four in BB is not the four that you're getting in gap. Oh, okay. And so that's like a why four BB is like a zero gap. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Maybe like a double zero, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, yes. <laughs> but like it's, it's completely different. It's yeah. two target demographics and it just meant to psychologically affect women. Mm, and it depends on what stage you're at. Vanity. So sizing oh, yeah i've actually just like experienced this the reason i'm asking you more about it is mm-hmm. because i started ordering because i order everything online like yeah. if, if you know me i don't go anywhere for anything really i i mostly order things online or have um various professionals come and see me in my house because it's way easier for me hence for like body wing this in my basement at the moment right. um anyway so recently we ordered some jeans online because i'm hoping to not be going up but stay where i am, am, am size wise and I've ordered the same size, whether it's like a, a number or like an inch size. Mm-hmm. And I've returned an awful lot of pairs of jeans mm-hmm. because the same size is not the same across at all. I want to say that you're very brave. I feel like jeans is the hardest thing to shop for anyway. Oh, I just send them back. <laughs> I don't care. I just order from places that like, that, that they take them back, right? Whether yeah. it's Gap or Yoga mm-hmm. Jeans I've been into lately. But yeah, I'm, I'm yeah very, that's Canadian. Very, yeah, they're both great. Yeah. Um, I'm very different sizes depending yeah. on what the brand, but it doesn't matter. I just send them back. But, yeah. So I only order from people that they'll send me back a return shipping thing and I could send them back for free right so anyway but yeah i noticed a big difference i'm like could it just be the cut no i guess it's not maybe it's vanity sizing so yeah it's okay don't worry um okay well your bras are gorgeous so tell us how the evolution of how you made like fucking bomb ass bras you can check back through my instagram and i'm sure my tits are on there somewhere yeah bras (laughs) that you made (laughs) we need to get a picture of you to put on ours i don't have any still shots of you really yeah um giant boobs i actually well like i said i had my daughter I was 34B. I'm, I'm going to be fully transparent. I gained 100 pounds when I was pregnant with her and I ate super well. So I feel like that's the number one thing people go to is like, oh, well, you know, did you not eat? I was always like a super tiny person. And then I had her and I gained 100 pounds and my my cup size went up by five. Holy. So it was. I actually had breasts for the first time and I had to like learn how to shower differently, like lift your breast up and shower underneath it, which I never had to do before. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so many things like even lying down on my side, all these different things. And when I came home from the hospital, I felt kind of to your point that like, okay, you know, when we're pregnant, we're kind of glorified. And I think that took a while to get, because I guess in the fifties you weren't even allowed to be shown on TV mm. as being pregnant. And now everybody's like, oh my God, look at me. I'm pregnant. I'm sexy. I'm hot. Like, more the cover of Vanity Fair. Yeah. That's when it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We need that for postpartum. That's what I think. I think some people are trying that. Yeah, there's a lot of. We really need that. We really need that because, and we need to see it in different body types. Absolutely. And it can't just be people who've lost a whole bunch of weight after they've had a child. You are preaching to the motherfucking crowd, right? Like it's just fight song. I need to see a dark line on your tummy. I need to see like those things need to be normalized and celebrated, and not just focused on the body either, Mm -hmm. because I think people just they're so focused on the body after they've had a baby that they lose themselves entirely and they think all their worth is based on their body. Amen, sister. Right? And then all of a sudden, your worth is not based on your body because you can't recognize yourself. So you need to find something else to identify with. Mm-hmm. And that's when we come to you, mm-hmm. mom's TO, and we start to make form new connections and new friends and new things because we can relate on a totally different level. Right. And so when I had my daughter, I had to wear my mom's underwear for the first time in my life. I went from like an extra small to an extra large. And I was shocked because I wanted, I needed something to cover my tummy and hold everything in. And I had these huge ginormous bras. Everything was just hideous and I just felt super gross and everything was high up to my neck. And I just couldn't dress the way, nobody wants to wear maternity clothes when the baby's out. Like, I don't care if you're still that size, you just want to get out of that type of clothing. Yeah, Yeah. all the stretchy, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I started improvising with like, well, I actually had, I finally had boobs. So I bought nicer bras with low plunges and I had everything like hanging out. And 
but then again, I couldn't like nurse with them. So I kind of started improvising with the bras that I had. And that's kind of how I came to what I've designed. But I was really focused on creating pieces that, you know, you don't feel so far removed from who you are after you've had children. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that that plastic clip, I don't care what anybody says, like, oh, you can wear this bra after. No, you can't. Stop lying. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't feel sexy when you have a plastic clip on your on your body. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> Hold on. I'm wearing a cami. You know, <laughs> cami, but can you hear it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like it's just not the same. It's not the and same. I, can, I cannot wear bras when I get home from work. Like I instantly put on a cami, and I'm still nursing my little guy. Yeah. But I don't think I, I'll, I'll wear these after anyway. But um, I I have to can put on something like super. Everyone can hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I need to be in, in a cami or something like comfy because you know wearing underwear all day just kills me. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, and I'm pretty. Mu- I, I don't think I wear any maternity bras anymore. I just rip the thing down. I'm just like I'm, I'll just toss them when I'm done. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, but anyway, but yeah, I'm always. But your stuff—it's the—it's the cut, it's the fabric, exactly. Yeah, it's the when I wear it, I feel like a million bucks. You want to shut it off? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 the most beautiful, and it's so funny. Anywhere I'm, anywhere Nadine, where I'm like, oh, someone might see my tits today. I'm like, I am whipping it. I'm wearing one of your bras, you know? Yeah, because it's the gold standard, as far as I'm concerned, and like the sexiest bra that's out there. And to me, like a lot of my identity, I think pre kids. I'm always trying to, this is my like, my conversation, my conversation, yeah. I find, is this pre-kids, post-kids, like trying to cling on to some sense of identity that I had before and yeah. like defining myself like that. I like thought I was like, I was like a sexy girl. Like I liked like my boobs and my ass and I yeah. always had, I was always voluptuous, you know, 50 pounds up, 50 pounds down, 20 pounds up. I was always voluptuous and I own that. I've always owned that and I like who I am in my skin and I don't think my waistline defines like how confident I feel. Right. I just never felt yeah, that even way. Yeah, even as a teenager, you were super confident. Yeah, this always. I've are. always been super confident. Yeah. And your bras just like is the only lingerie. Like if it's in my drawer, there's like my sports bras, my ugly bras, and my Nadine bras, you know? <laughs> That's what they are. There's like, they're really like when I get dressed up, when I know they're going to be peeking out or whatever. It's like, it's a different level, Nadine. Like you've really, you really you. knocked it out. So how did you come to the all black line? And like the gorgeous oh. leather. I mean, not the leather, ugh, leather, nice. lace, the gorgeous lace. Okay. So for me, I just felt like there was, I was so tired of seeing like these pink and beige, this ugh, hideous, so like, yeah. oh my God, that ugly, ugly beige and that baby pink and that blue. Like, I don't want to wear that. I wanted to wear something sexier mm-hmm. and I really love black lace. And I feel like that's also very mature. Black lace is a very mature color. We're coming out with a, a beautiful mother of pearl white. It's stunning. I was going to say, what do you wear under like more like oh. lighter color things? <laughs> under lighter under lighter color things the black still doesn't show as much as oh, the no. okay. yeah. yeah and and to be honest the bras are meant to be seen you're like i don't care yeah exactly you're like so, i want everyone to see it <laughs> yeah so you're meant to show everything with yeah. the bras so that so that's how i came to the uh, the black line and then it moved into like a bodysuit and like other oh, things that i wish it's like <laughs> i'm gonna try this stuff you gotta try it yeah you, got, you guys had to have an appointment you know honestly the bodysuit is like like you're and just gonna fuck you mm. up <laughs> Like every single day. So when Andrew asked me before, because Andrew does the the audio for this, yeah. and uh, he's like, "So who are we talking to?" I was like, "Need event." He's like, "What did you do?" I'm like, "Lingerie." He's like, "What?" <laughs> Usually he's like, oh, "Okay." Whatever. <laughs> he's like, "Lingerie." Yeah, no, Matt literally calls it like my. Like, I, I, I have I wear never read like, DT fuck. I have never worn lingerie in my life. It's not lingerie ever. It's no. Like, no, but like I have I have yeah. bras, you know. Yeah. But like usually when we have sex, like. I'm already naked. It's like yeah. we're going to bed yeah. and it's like there isn't anything there. He would love if I had lingerie. Like he would love if I had something sexy, like, you know, bedroom kind of stuff. I, I just don't. I just yeah. never have. And I'm sure he would love, I know he would love um, if I did, but. But it's yeah. not like bourgeoisie. No, no. It's more it's like, not like, and it's not like boudoir lingerie. Yes. It's like sexy shit under your clothes. And if Andrew saw it, he'd like want to, Fuck you and anyone you know <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I know, about, I'd be wearing like like yeah. grandma stuff, but he's same. still very I'm the same. into Matt's me. like damn to fuck yes. all the time. Like, well, I'm wearing this, bra. and it's like too big on me. And he's yeah. like, whatever, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something nice about yes. it. I think, but I yeah, think it's sure. more for you. It yeah. is because you yeah. feel better. Like you, your own confidence. Yes, yes. And it's just like a a redefining of you when you feel sexy. Like you want to have sex. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you maybe that's not even the end goal. Maybe it's just for you to feel good about yourself or just kind of reconnect with who you were before you had children. That's another part. It's like a legal secret. I don't know. And if someone finds out about it, like I don't mind, you know, them knowing or whatever. Um, And I feel it so funny because I nurse publicly a lot. Yes. And I've actually had people, I just was getting my hair done in a salon recently and it was during the Raptors parade. Um, and this, During like, the Raptors no, parade, you were getting your hair done? No, I had a hair, I had an event. It was right before oh, the freaking... Hold on. It was, it was like 2.30 on the Monday of the Tuesday that was the Atelier was the next day. Okay. So I was like, I had a, a blow appointment because I they gave me a comp, whatever, blow dry. Right. And this like gorgeous black guy comes in and it's the, one of the owner's like 
husbands or something and he's wearing all the rap stuff. I'm like, did you see Drake? And he turns around and he's like, whoa. And he saw me nursing Essa and it didn't even dawn on me that like a man would be like, and he's like, and then his wife came over and apologized. And she's like, I'm so sorry that he did that. And he came over. He's like, look, my wife nursed my kids. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not used to anymore seeing people nurse so publicly. Yeah. And it didn't even dawn on me, but I was wearing the bra. And mm. I was like, maybe that was part of it as I felt like a little bit more confident, I yeah. guess, like whipping up my tit and being like, here's my like giant tit, but like, <laughs> it's a sexy tit still, <laughs> I guess, to some people, right? So yeah. anyways, um, yeah, I think it's, it's like, definitely a sex organ, right? Like I think right. many of us, like I also am super confident breastfeeding in public, though many, many women, probably most women are not do, not confident doing that. But because you do it so often, it becomes like no, no big deal. But when someone turns around, they see your boob, they're not expecting it. Like if you're mm-hmm. like, here's a baby, here's my boob, it becomes like easier. Oh, I was like, when they turn me, everybody, around, I'm about yeah. to nurse. Yeah. Yes. I'm about to whip yeah. at my giant tatas. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's and still weird for some people. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's definitely become a thing. Like we have this whole thing about like, you know, moms nursing for the first time. It's a really, it's it's a terrifying mm. thought because you're actually more afraid of what other people are going to think. That's mm-hmm. right. Than you are about just doing something that's completely natural. Yeah, Nadine, honestly, Mom's TO came out of my like traumatic post traumatic stress disorder of nursing in public at a yeah. fancy restaurant. Yeah, I was sweating. I had the cover on. The baby was sweating. I was sweating. I couldn't get a latch. I was like trying to look cool. I had to like go to the corner, basically exit the experience and t- I was like there's got to be a safe place for me to like nur-. and there wasn't so yeah you know we created this like sort of public space for moms to nurse and have a good time and have a boozy fun too right yeah um but like how messed up is that yeah like this is 2019 I know and we're very liberated you know I, I go into the room and you know I've seen them nurse multiple times or whatever or I haven't and they're brand new patients to me and I walk in and they have like the thing on like the you know the cover on and everything and I'm like the number of breasts I see a day the number yeah. of babies that I assess for breastfeeding a day Many, 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 many. Yeah. You don't be wearing the damn cover, man. Like I see breasts all day, every day. Anyway, and and sometimes they're a bit weird about it with their husbands too. I find like they like kind of like cover themselves to pass the baby to their husbands. I don't know. People yeah. should feel more confident with their breasts, man. It's just part of your body. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because people sexualize bre- sexualize breasts in North America. Yes. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Okay, fine. Oh, yeah, and sure. It's everywhere. Yes. Right. Yeah. I'm However, okay with like being in Europe, but you know, yeah. like yeah. in Europe. In like other places, yeah. people like people bringing on the beach. up bebe. Did you it's ever read that? Mm, I did. Yeah, that's an interesting relationship in France, right? Yeah, where women are like they don't even nurse because they're like that's sex. The tits are for sex. That's yeah. it. You know. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm, I'm for totally men. okay for boobs being you know sexualized as well. Like yeah, absolutely. You know, if people like them, you know, enjoy them. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But it's also like a way to feed your child. Yeah. To nourish well, that's what they're. That's what they were child. designed for. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> like initially, so. like that's. Did you nurse for a long time, Nadine? Almost two years. That's a long time. Good for it you. It is a long time. And she didn't take a bottle. Mm-hmm. I actually had a very difficult time. Yeah. I had a very difficult time. And I got a lot of judgment from my own family. Um, like what, your immediate family? My immediate family. For like, breastfeeding oh, why, for why a long taking, time? Yeah, why is it hard for you to breastfeed? It wasn't hard for me. Like mm-hmm. this is... Oh, really? That's hard. Yeah, that was really tough. And then I ended up getting a lactation consultant. Um, you know, they when you leave the hospital, they always tell you, you that you see somebody or... Um, I ended up getting a lactation consultant and then I had to go to the clinic at Victoria Park that mm-hmm. was part of the people that used to work with Dr. Jack Newman mm-hmm. and that was very helpful for me and then mm-hmm. I didn't even know anything about a tongue tie or like I had to use a lactation aid and I didn't trust my own body for like the first six weeks I felt like I was not making enough milk until yeah. one day I was up north by my cousin and I ran out of formula and it was in the middle of the night I couldn't go anywhere and um, I just had to breastfeed her and she was content and I was like oh <gasps> maybe I'm making enough. Like that's, mm. it, there's just so much psychological stuff yeah. that happens when you're so a mother. Fun. Confidence are a big, is a big thing. Yeah. Breastfeeding. And yeah. we don't trust our own bodies and we're not in a place where we're like in a group of women who just, mm-hmm. or even men, you know what I mean? Like people are just not, it's not normalized yet. And I, and it's, it's, it's just very disheartening to see. Tina, what do you see in the practice when it comes to, what's like, what do you say the number one or number two, like, cause for concern people don't have a good latch people don't know what oh they're yeah doing. no it's it's a volume thing i would say oh, the volume. vast majority like i, I will they show they're getting enough i will yeah. show parents a growth curve of a kid that's exclusively breastfeeding and you know I, they, they come in with like bated breath and i'm like oh look here's the growth curve your baby's growing well here they're still in the 50th percentile or 15th or 97th or whatever percentile and you can see the parents go oh really yeah i don't i don't know i don't know how that could be are you sure do you want to measure them again like this happens like every day multiple times a day a lot of people just don't trust that they have enough there's this thing that babies Mm -hmm. need more babies need formula they need something else and many moms have perfectly fine amounts and yet they don't trust that they do um or babies feed more often than they think they should or they Mm -hmm. feed for longer than they should think they should 
You know, and breasts I, definitely do not have any bearing on how much milk you make. The 100%. size of your breasts. And I oh, think yeah. people that's don't realize big, that too. For sure. See, I thought when going into it, I was like, oh, I have big breasts. It's like mother nature, man. Yeah. Like my tits, I'm made to like yeah. splashing <laughs> yes. milk all over the walls and this is going to become so naturally. And I was so shocked. Like, boom. Like if yes. you're not expecting a mother to listen to this, you are not alone. Like yeah. you are going, it, it can be totally derailing to be yeah. like, oh, I just got hit by the Mac truck of parenting. And that's like, I think the the discourse about breastfeeding, yeah. right? I think, you know, m- most women who plan to breastfeed think they're going to make milk, they're going to put the baby in the breast, the baby's going to latch, it's not going to feel like anything, it's going to feel fine, the baby's going to gain weight, leave hospital, all is right with the world. And I would say easily 90% of new moms have difficulty with breastfeeding in some capacity. No, 10% they don't have enough or the latch isn't good or the baby yeah. won't latch or they're having nipple pain oh, or they get oh yeast God, infection, like all these things. And a lot of people, they leave the hospital and they think, oh yeah, my nipples are like, you know, trapped or cracked or bleeding, but that's okay. That's how it's supposed to be. It is not supposed to be that way. No. It means your baby is not latching properly. And then maybe your milk isn't coming in as well because the baby isn't latching properly. But the support that women get in hospital typically sucks. Yes. And um, the lactation consultants aren't the, the best or they just see a baby latching, the milk is in and yet, and they go, away, it's all good. But until the milk really starts to come in, it's more difficult to assess the actual latch. And we don't have any support for that. People have to pay for LCs out of their pocket. Right, yeah. So they can't go home and like get support that they need because they don't know how to access it. They, you know, they don't have the, the money to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Their doctor doesn't suggest it. All these reasons. And people are so easy to, to jump to formula when they could have had this amazing breastfeeding relationship. Right. So I think there needs to be a lot more support for this. I really think everyone should be able to see an LC for free you know, three, four days after baby's born when milk really is there and there's much more to assess. Like, is the baby actually drinking? Are they actually transferring milk? You can't see that on day one in the hospital. Mom doesn't have milk yet. There isn't a way to assess how good breastfeeding is in the first day. There just isn't. Yeah. I think if my parents or like my family wasn't as forceful, like in a way that was kind of a good thing, I would not have pursued it. I also had a doula. So I had a lot of mm-hmm. help around more that. Support. If I didn't have a doula, mm-hmm. I, I probably would have given up. But that's what kind of gave me the indication that I have an issue is that I was having a a lot of pain and to your point like in the hospital they were like oh your nipples are crooked there's no way you can like yeah. it was just all this ridiculous and there's a lot stuff. of shaming with that too actually I see yes. that a lot where where someone a nurse or, or whoever will say to a mom your nipples are flat your nipples are inverted your breasts are too big your areolas are too big baby won't be able to latch yeah and they leave and they go what the fuck's wrong with my breast yes there's something wrong with your breast we can make every baby latch on every breast it's it's a matching thing like yeah it's a learning like, it's, it's a learning behavior totally. you're you know, teaching your baby how to latch to you latch to any breast yeah, I mean, there's some things about oral anatomy, like, you know, she mentioned, like, tongue ties, so, you know, as, no, as no, we no, know, no, but... but. For instance... Oh, yes. Can I take Austin and latch on any breath? Sure. No, absolutely. No, no. Could you... Could I latch Austin to me? Yeah. And could you latch Essa? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it doesn't really There matter. was a big thing, like, you yeah. know, Selma Hayek went to, I think, Africa, Africa, Africa think, yeah. and she breastfed a baby that was starving. Mm-hmm. I just mean, like, could you take a bottle and give uh-huh. it to a baby? They'll, yeah. they'll figure it out, right? I mean, uh-huh. I think Austin would be confused. He'd be like, I don't know what this boob is about. Uh-huh. Actually, funny about this. Uh, was it Dylan? I think it was Dylan the other day. I don't know if Andrew was even there. Um, I was breastfeeding Austin. Austin came off and he was running around and playing. And I don't know why J- Dylan got in his head like, oh, do you want to have some more milk? So he was wearing no shirt because we were just swimming. And he offered Jason his chest, this yep. eight-year-old boy's chest. And Austin looked Aww. at him and he goes, no milk. <laughs> and he ran by. <laughs> he was like, I didn't want to look at that. That is not a breast. Dina, I'm yeah. telling you, Elias wants to nurse Essa all the time. He's two mm. and a half and oh, has yeah. no I comprehension. Always. Like, and today he wanted to, I was pumping this morning before my meeting, which I never, ever do. And he... We love uh, pimping here. Uh, and he... he, <laughs> he pumping. He... he, he he, Elias took the cup and started putting on his nipples. Right, yeah. He's like, mommy makes milk. Has he asked to breastfeed? Yes. And I tried and he like, he can't even like, he doesn't even have the understanding or dexterity. Oh, he actually tried to. Yeah. He tried like, put his, like, it was like this, like, I just like, put my lips on the <laughs> yeah. mic. He was like, this. he's like, what do I do now? Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, what does it taste like? And he said, chocolate milk. And yeah. I was like, okay, well that's nice. That's what Taya said about her. But, Daughter saying it tastes yeah. like vanilla. No, but she continued to breastfeed though. Taya yes. thought it was always breastfeeding. It wasn't like she was off it for a year and then right. went back again. It's funny. Yeah. I was saying, I actually text messaged Dina this morning. I'm like, Dina, when can I stop breastfeeding during the day? She's like, why? And truthfully, I just want to like start having more regular work hours yeah. and like leaving us at home and maybe figuring out some other childcare situations. And I just want to nurse her in the morning and at night. Um, but, um, yeah. So anyway, so the answer is anytime you want. Yeah. Anytime I want. Yeah. So anyways, like it's funny. The breastfeeding relationship is so interesting. Now, Dina, you said something when you preferred saying if a mother chooses to breastfeed, yes. have you met first time moms who like from the onset are like, I'm yes. just not going to even try. I'm not sure. interested. Yeah. What do you I think, think it is? The, well, because I've met some women recently who are like, I just bailed my breast and I wasn't interested. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go there. I think yeah. some women, it's just not part of their idea, their plan of what they want for their children, whether mm-hmm. it's they don't have comfort with their own bodies at that, that, that sometimes I might see some women that just have no interest in breastfeeding because they don't feel confident 
in that experience, having the breasts out there for whatever reason, which, you know, I guess the end of the spectrum of what we're talking about in terms of feeling confident with their own bodies. Um, some women that have had like breast reductions or breast implants and feel like that's just not part of their journey, even though I have many patients that have breast reductions and breast implants that do breastfeed successfully. Um, not always, in t- and not, and they're not always ex- successful in um, exclusively breastfeeding because there's damage to nerves and things like that when you have surgery. Mm-hmm. But I have some moms that have successfully breastfed um, exclusively mm-hmm. um, or they take medicine and they just don't want that baby to be exposed, even though it's almost always safe. So things like antidepressants, as an example, mm-hmm. even though those are safe to breastfeed, some women just like, I don't want, want my kid to be exposed to it. Um, those are the big ones. Um, yeah. Some like women cultural, just, just don't want cultural, to. Right? Yeah. Cultural is another one. I feel like that like yeah. there's, there's a few countries that, you know, where women buy from me and, they are the anomaly right. because they breastfeed, but in their culture, it's, I mean, we had somebody buy from Kuwait from for us this year, mm-hmm. which was really exciting. And she bought quite a few pieces and we shipped it over there and she had to go physically and pick it up in the customs office because I put, I always put breastfeeding. Cause whenever I do that, it kind of freaks the customs officers out. And then that way they're not going to open the package or like even look for a duty on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on where, where it's going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she had to physically go in and people were like, what's uh, nursing? What does nursing mean? And she had to explain to them that it was breastfeeding because over there in, in, in that's not as popular, you mm-hmm. know? And then there's other places where it's like culturally not, you know, it's it's almost as if you breastfeed. It's you're kind of like in a lower hmm. caste. Because uh-huh. you right. can't afford the formula? Is that what right. it is? Yeah, that maybe that's it's that or it's, uh-huh. you know, there's like yeah. just a lot of things. Yeah. There's just there's a lot of poli- There's certainly countries where, where formula has been promoted a lot yes. and a lot of times this is like a commercial kind of thing like the companies yeah. that make formula have been really like pushing it aggressively i spent some time in africa and in southeast asia and and i think in some places there's there's now like more publicity that it's a good thing to do especially like hiv ridden countries and things right um where, where people were thinking like hey don't breastfeed because you're going to pass it on to your child but right. you know That's now so, there's more right. not necessarily not if you're you right. know on good medicines etc right so um yeah and and you know where clean water is not so much available. It's definitely healthier to breastfeed. You know, Rebecca Powell, do you remember her from Gesher? Yeah. Do you remember Andrew? So Dr. Powell, who has a PhD, yeah. 12 years, and she does HIV studies yes. based on breast milk. And yes. Transfer of, it's exactly yeah. her topic. Yeah, she yeah. actually just a dig, someone we know, just this is her dissertation. So, um, okay, can we pivot a bit? Yeah, conversation? yeah, for sure. Dean, tell us about your business. Like what is your, is, are you a sole proprietor of your company? It's no, just you? It's, yeah, well, okay. it's no corporation. It's a corporation, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, Tell us about your business. Like, how did it get to a business where you're like, this is where I'm going to jump in in two feet and this is going to be my life. Oh my my gosh. I just, you know, I, like I said, I came up with an idea. I went to quite a few trade shows. I did a ton of research. I actually sent a survey around 200 women responded and they were also curious, what is this survey? Because I was asking very specific questions about how they felt after they had their baby. And at that time, there was so much less resources because it was almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Then I started working on it and I felt, okay, you know what? This probably has legs. Like there's nothing like it out there. There's, you know, and as well, like we're not just focused on breastfeeding. We have all kind of women who have never had children wear it, women who are way beyond breastfeeding. And, you know, even if after you've had children, your breasts still do change and you do need that support. Mm-hmm. So we've created the bra for that time. So it's just an added bonus, but it's not exclusive to that. You can wear the products at any, like the garments at any stage. It's really meant to be more comfortable and supportive. So I wanted to create something. I thought, okay, this has legs. Let me just try it out. And then one thing led to another and gosh, we went down this really long road of, you know, a lot of doors closing. And when every door closed, I just, I don't know. I just kept going. I just pivot and go into another direction. And that's uh-huh. kind of how we opened the factory here. Cause I had such a hard time finding people who were going to be able to produce what I needed at the standard and the level that I want it to be. Yeah. And then also protect the proprietary information. We have patents on all of our products, right? Like on all of our bras. So mm-hmm. that was a really, really big deal for me to keep it in house um, or work with a, you know, a partner that I felt would honor and, and respect the product and, and provide the way that I wanted to. And I also work with various particular fabrics because women need that after you have at any stage, but you, as you know, you, you see all kind of women, women care about themselves way more when they're pregnant than any other time of their life. And mm-hmm. we need to transfer that over because you the need fourth a fourth trimester, you fourth trimester and beyond because right. you're postpartum for life. Like you never go back to who you were before yeah. you've had children. And I think w- women especially don't realize that until they're actually in it. And they're like, okay, this is my new normal. And sometimes 
there's a good and a bad to that. Like when we talk about pelvic floor health and all that, people are just like, oh, it's my postpartum body. Well, no, it isn't just your postpartum body. Like the, these are things that have happened. And then there are things that we can resolve as a postpartum body, like stretch marks and things like that, that are just part of the process. Mm-hmm. So I was really focused on getting sustainable fabrics that were really going to make sure that the that once they're on the skin, that they're safe for mom and baby. And, and then I look at the industry and how it's so sewing and fast fashion is so against women and particularly mothers. So many women have abortions because they'll lose their job or there's just some, so many women go to work and their baby's lying on the floor because they have to work and they work these crazy hour days. And that's why I'm really against like fast fashion. I can't sit here and sell nursing bras to women you know, when other mothers are suffering, it's just not in my DNA. I mean, other brands can do that and that's fine. It's just not something that I believe in. So mm-hmm. it's really important. We're, we're, you know, made for women by women. Um, that's just like another thing. It's just, yeah. I feel like the brand is just, it, it's like a full circle. I, I really believe how you do anything is how you do everything. And it's, it's really shows in the brand. I think yeah. it's such a, I totally agree with you with that. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's hard though. Like, you know, it's, uh, what you make is really beautiful, but also costly because of what you yeah. do to make it ethically sound and all these things. Yeah. And, and a lot of women can't afford it. So it's, it's hard, you know, like yeah. how do we come up with something that's more accessible, I guess, to the masses, but still beautiful and make you feel good and still ethically sound and still great, um, yeah. uh, great materials, et cetera. I think, I think at that point it really depends. Like you have to look at everything. It's perspective, right? Like what are people willing to spend their money on? Right. People are willing to spend their money on like Air Jordans yeah. if they want like to. Like $400 jeans. Yeah, yeah. $400 jeans. Yeah. Like it's just where you where you want to invest I've your money. I've never met like a boutique bra company or a bougie bra company. Like almost everything that isn't fast fashion is yeah. a little bit expensive when it comes to oh, bra. Yeah. Yeah. Good bras are expensive. Good bras, are, good bras in general are expensive. And yeah. then are they making them in the most ethical way? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, for what mm-hmm. we're what we're providing and what we're producing, it's mm-hmm. actually a very, very good price. You got to go to her, honestly, Dina, when mm-hmm. you walk into her factory, it's unbelievable. It's like, <laughs> you feel like you're walking back in time to some degree yeah. because it looks almost like, like almost like 1920s. So like the black lace is sort of everywhere. Right. And then there's like these sewing machines everywhere. And then there's like gorgeous woman <laughs> comes to you. So everything's all together. Once. Like in, in like everything's your shop yeah, one is, spot. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. so cool. The shop or, is the factory. That's yeah, cool. it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And like the, she has like the sewing machines like right there. Is, yeah. it, is it Sing? Sewing machines? What sewing machines do you oh, have? Oh, it's like Singer? Yeah, they Singer. We have machine? one Singer, but we have all new like Juki. Those are all new. We have newer machines like Brother, Juki, all those other things. Yeah. We have 17 machines on the floor. Mm. Yeah. We have a f- way more. We just don't have them set up yet, but we're probably we're getting to that point now. It's amazing, Nadine. Good for you, Mama. Oh my gosh! Tell I, t- I mean, I tell myself every day, "What am I doing?" But then yeah. I have like, then I get an email. It's like, "Oh my god, my life is so much better." I'm like, "This is why I'm doing." <laughs> right? Yeah. Those sweet cookies of the business mm. really make makes it, it worth it. Yeah, it makes it yeah. totally worth it. Tell us about the Maternal Goddess Conference and how yeah. how you came to that. It's like so it's adjacent to, but different than the yeah. core of your business. Yeah, for sure. So that was another thing. It just felt like there was not enough support for women around after they have children. And it was like all the stuff that people don't really talk about. Like, yeah, you're going to be constipated right after you have children. Like, let's talk about that. You're probably going to rip to your butthole if you don't know that you can do perineum massage. And it does make a difference. Like there are things that are just not really discussed in the medical field and almost laughed at and now, not so much, but just things like one of our most popular articles is vaginal varicose veins, which I didn't even know existed until somebody submitted that. And that was like, we got so 10,000 hits for that one article. And we were like, we need to just change this non-for-profit and call it vaginal varicose veins because people are just organically looking that up. Wait, what? Yes, you it's know, a you thing. You can't like varicose veins in your legs or whatever. Yeah. You, ver- rectal ones are, are called hemorrhoids, right? Okay. It's a varicose vein of your yeah. bum, of your rectum. And you can get the same ones for your vagina. And it's they very painful and it, yes. Yeah. And it hurts. They hurt like very hell. painful. I've not personally had one, but I, I know people that have had it. And it, it swells terrible. up and it stays for yeah. months and like you can't have set, like there's, you can't do anything. Like imagine there's like throbbing hemorrhoid in your vagina. Yeah. Like in your vaginal walls. Yeah. Like your, well, your vagina actually, like yeah. even oh my the lips God, and everything women, have, if you have your this, labia. I, my heart is, my vagina yes. is hurting. It's and like, like walking hurts. Balls, like people walk, like. right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're walking, your your labia are hitting each other and they're swollen because you're pregnant. And yeah, it looks and that's very a postpartum or, um, or partum or pregnancy. Because what's happening is your your baby is sitting in your pelvic floor and you have more pressure on the pelvic floor, and so it causes swelling of the veins. And that's mm-hmm. why people get varicose veins. That's why people get. I didn't know varicose veins were painful. 
They can be. They, they can, can be. But like hemorrhoids are varicose veins of your rectum, right? Oh, wow. Um, and it's all pressure. And also like the constipation that some people get. So you're bearing down. You're sitting a lot, right. et cetera. Yeah. Just like all these things. And people don't tell you that marriage breakdown is at all time highest during childbearing years. That women have the... Marriage breakdown? Yes. Like divorce rates? Yeah. Okay. Riff on that. Go. Well, I mean, you're dealing with like tired parents. You're dealing with body image issues. You're dealing with change no roles money. and responsibilities. You're mm. dealing with so much like lack Expenses. of finances. Yeah. yeah. And you're dealing with a whole new relationship with your partner. So it's like you and your partner and then your partner, your co-parenting relationship and then your your relationship with your child. So there's like three relationships that are going on now as opposed to just you and your partner. And then now you have to redefine your relationship with yourself, which is another thing. So that's also a big thing. Body image is at its all-time lowest in childbearing years and right. women of all time. Yeah, I can definitely see that happening all yeah. over yes. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Does all it go up things, again later? I, I think it really depends on mm. the work that you're willing to do on yourself. But there was right. a study that was done in Australia and she was the only person that was really focusing on showing how women actually feel during like puberty mm-hmm. and then in their 20s and yeah. then when they're Matrescence. pregnant. I could, I could imagine it's sort of like a U-shaped curve, right? Like yeah. things are not so great in like puberty. Most, yeah. many people feel shitty because yeah. it's different and you're changing and you're hormonal and yeah. you know, all the craziness. And then you might feel great like in your 20s and yeah. then you start having babies and you get all stretched out and different and then you have to redefine what that is and maybe and then you go through it improves or maybe or it doesn't. Maybe yeah. it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Like you, you could start feeling shitty after a baby and maybe have more babies and then continue to feel shitty. Yeah. And then, but then you go through menopause. Like, I just feel like women that are a little bit older and more mature, they just come into their own because they're just, they're done. Fuck it. You're tired. You're tired. You don't care anymore. Is your mom still alive? Yes. My mother's still alive. She's 74. Yeah. Mine's 72. Mm -hmm. How old's your mom? Uh, I'd have to do the math. Yeah. Yeah. 70. No, not 70 yet. Oh my gosh. Uh, Born in 50. So 68. 69 almost 69 69. not quite yeah 73 this year Mm -hmm. yeah no they're like they're a horse of different color I've been getting such a kick out of my mom these days yeah but they have like lost all filter she just says whatever the fuck she wants but she was always like that though she was always very way more now now, than she's ever been like she'll say anything I just feel like don't you feel like you get that way now just even now that you're older like you say things that you wouldn't even have said it before yeah and you don't care like falling off the butt yeah you don't care yeah and then I think it it's just even when you become a mom that's even, I don't know. I, you can maybe even tell me this. I don't know. If there, is there a difference between moms who have C-sections and moms who va- who have vaginal births? Like About I know what? my friends who have C-sections are a little bit more reserved than the rest of us who've had vaginal births because we've no, like, literally so? taken a huge crap on the table. Mm-hmm. Our vagina was sprawled out for the whole world to see. Yeah. Like there's just like so many differences. personality difference in I don't know. Oh, you know what? Like I'd love to see if somebody does a study on that. If, <laughs> if anybody wants it, to write in, it. Yeah, I've yeah. I'd it. love for people to I'd like weigh in on this. I've never sat on the table though. I'm very proud of having never sat on the table. Did you, did you poo when mm-hmm. you delivered? Yeah, I didn't. No. I, I really had to poo when I went into like labor. Yeah. And then I did. And then I didn't pee or poo on the table. Oh my gosh. Table, I didn't even was, know. Yeah. Somebody told me that I did. But I, I, I had a lot like, of fear around it though. Like I talked about it with Andrew. I was like, if I poo on the table, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I didn't. Like, but see, this is, yeah. but yeah. before they used to give women enemas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they wouldn't. So that yeah. they wouldn't. You're supposed yes. to shave the puss. Exactly. Like a puss. Moms that say yeah. the puss. I think we were talking last, last time about uh, you know, waxing, but I think a lot of women are very into making it all pretty down there. Oh my gosh. As I, if yeah. when we're delivering, I we're thinking, got, how nice is your bikini yeah. line? That yeah. is not what a physician is thinking. No. I promise you that. But no, I, nice pussy. Yeah, you're looking at the baby and getting the baby out safely. You're yeah. looking at what the labia look like. Uh, yeah. That is not on, on our minds. No. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if there's like, you your reservations go totally out the window. You don't care anymore, but... There's just like a shift in mentality. And uh, yeah, for sure. I find myself not caring as much as I used to. Like now my daughter's like, oh my gosh, mom. Like the things that I used to say to my mom, like my daughter's saying to me and now I'm like, oh, I can totally understand why my mom. But my mom's actually more conservative than I am. I think I'm just like a kind of like a black sheep. Like I don't really care about, I just, I'm I'm desensitized. I see so many bodies all day. Yeah. To me, it's just, it is what it is. Right. It's crazy though. I felt... I have to say, Nadine, that you have a way of making women feel very confident, like coming and going. And we did this whole <laughs> shtick for Instagram and stuff like that, yeah. you know? But it was fun and it's a great product. And I love the one with the big band that comes really low on the... Yeah, the long line. Oh my God, it is so sexy, those, those man. Th- these things are be- meant to be worn out out like outerwear yeah so you wear it with a suit or like a skirt yeah the body so well, you, you rock it with jeans. the black pants high and high the blazer and the oh blazer. my god yeah because it looks good and yeah. you feel good and it's comfortable yeah you're not shifting and everything's itchy because it's not cheap hmm. crappy lace no. yeah it's great i can wear your shit all day yeah. and it's i can't say that about every bra 
you know, I'm often itchy to like get stuff off mm. at the end of the day and like take all my gitches off. But I, I need to take it all off. Yeah, I, this I is need a to. really good product. Can't go to bed and I, I change my outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, okay. What are you excited about, Nadine? Oh my gosh, I'm excited about growth. Yeah. I'm really excited about growth. I'm You're excited about more women knowing about who we are and our product mm-hmm. and people recognizing it. And like, I mean, we're super grassroots, you right. know, we're, and it, and we have an even tougher, tougher time because we do breastfeeding. So Facebook and Instagram shut us down left, right, and center. Like, there's things that we just can't publish. We can't, we can't promote the traditional way, even if we did want to invest in like Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we get policed like crazy. And it's mostly by women. Mm. Yeah. You don't get police though, way because you show a lot of Instagram stories where you're breastfeeding. They're buggy about it. Do stories? Never stories, is not, but when oh, you're promoting, yeah. it's different. Like if yeah, I was sure. to just put on my st- stories, it's fine. But yeah. the minute I hit publish and I want to start advertising right. to other people that don't know me, yeah. it's like shut mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, that's just always interesting. I love advocacy, and I, I really, I'm all about like you know, equal rights for everybody and things that just seem to be normal. I don't see what the big problem is with people and it's yeah. just their limited lack of, like there's a lack or of education, which is shocking to me again because it's 2019 and we live in North America, but like people are very conservative over here. But if we were to have like a skimpy bikini, it's mm-hmm. totally fine. Yep. You can yeah. sponsor the crap out of that. Nobody cares. Yeah. But the minute you see a breastfeeding mother, it's like, oh my God, that's there's so something offensive. something still very offensive to people. I don't, I don't, I, yeah. I can't understand that at all, but you're for sure right. It's yeah. Still so I feel like that's the exciting part. I feel like that's yeah. the exciting part is just like, that's the next phase of yeah. working with incredible women like Alana and like the oh. things that you're all doing is just like, it's really important because it helps people come together yeah. and it helps people have these conversations and normalize things and speak up for one another because we were just having a conversation before you all came down about just like how isolated our society is as opposed to like other societies. When you come from different countries from all over the world, people are more community family oriented and here, even though we try to be, people are still very, very like solitary you know you it's not as um natural over here to mm-hmm. be caring to be mindful of your can you, neighbors can you riff on that a bit because we actually had somebody send us a dm be like can you it'd be interesting to talk about people whose families or parents weren't born in canada yeah and how like even like raising children yeah and that sort of intergenerational play when it, there's actually a different cultural or religious understanding of how like family dynamics work you know what I mean mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends whose families like they're very dutiful like the mother like I guess intergenerationally they're very dutiful to like the grandparents for instance yeah and, like the grandparents will like live in their house versus like go That's to a really retirement common thing. home right. it's very common yeah. here too like you know another generation I have many families who's who like three generations live under one roof and yeah. the grandparents are very 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 actively involved sometimes more involved than the parents are you know they sleep in the same bed like the grandma yeah. and the baby for example or you right. know the the grandparents are with the child all day when the parents are working like that's their that's their child care right, right. Yeah. instead of having an annual going to daycare or whatever it's a very common thing here yeah, yeah. very very common it's, especially well, in like southeast asia and, right and, oh, i'm talking about the commonality of this thing someone was saying we should talk about it on the podcast like, yeah just that reality of somebody who Who's even or or just a juxtaposition? They are their family's heritage is that, but yes. they're trying to like sort oh, of different. mirror. Well, I the, feel like when you have a family heritage like that, like again, like right. we, I come from a huge family. Like my mom's mom had fifteen children, three dads. She had twelve, and my dad's mom had nine, and like all still very close. Mm-hmm. And then my mom had one, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? But then she had like a whole bunch of other like issues that you know people don't really talk about. Um, now we do. We're talking more about reproductive health and all that, but for you're, women, you're especially. An only child? Oh, I am an and only you child. have one child. I yeah. have one child, yeah. but it's interesting because I have like 50 first cousins, so I don't feel like a normal, like an only right. child. And like when people meet me, they're kind of shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, you're an only child. I'm shocked but to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Because we're socialized differently. Right. And then, you know, you have everybody in your home and that's like a huge deal. Like it's amazing to have people here. When I would go back to the Caribbean and I have my daughter, I don't have to feel bad about asking somebody to watch my kid. They're like, they'll look at me sideways like, why are you asking that question? Like, just go. If you guys want to go out, do whatever. There's like a ton of people all the time, village. all around you looking out for your kid mm-hmm. and yeah. for you. And here it's just not like that. Now the other side to that <laughs> is that being Canadian born, we have a lot of like, you know, boundaries. Yeah. We think differently. Yes. We're, you know, I want to say we're open-minded, yes. you know, we're not everybody from 
you know, other countries as opposed to Canada, it's not open-minded, but I'm just saying like there's some strict religious beliefs or strict cultural beliefs that right. they try to impose or here no and it just doesn't work. Family. Like, you like grandparents mm. sleeping with babies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Like, like if can... my mother had her way, she'd be crawling into bed with my kids every night. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But is, does yes. she live with you? No, but she yeah. would if she if I gave her permission. Yeah. Right. So or she would want us to live with them. I can imagine it'd be really challenging though if you're if you're like a woman like us growing up here right. and your parents think that they should necessarily by like right almost right. be the person to care for your child and yeah, maybe right. you don't feel comfortable with that. That's gotta be challenging. Right. Right. You know? And you don't, you don't, you don't want to be disrespectful, but right. or you don't agree with their values totally. or how like how yeah. they feed your kid or like right. yeah. You know, well, or sleeping with your child. Like, if my parents were like, I want to co sleep with my, um, no, like, I'm all about sleep training, that wouldn't work for me. You yeah. Know? Right. But if there was, if they were passionate about that and I felt that would be really challenging. I was like that yeah. at the beginning yes. when my daughter was really young and I was like, absolutely no way yeah. because I have her on a routine until yeah. she was like four. But now I am totally fine with it. Like, it's better because she's, she, I find my daughter's older, but she calls for me more now than she ever did when she was a baby and she was totally sleep trained. But like, she slept through the night. It was amazing. But now, she, oh my gosh, she calls like every, I don't know, because she sees things now. She's in school. She's older. She's, mm. She knows about like, you know, scary shows and this and that. So she has a, that form of awareness. Yeah. But like just even things like dietary, I'm really big on certain types of food. I like, I try to avoid a lot of meats in my house. And if the meat is there, it has to be like a certain quality of meat and we don't eat like all this other stuff that like my parents, but then, you know, it's also crazy. It's like my, pa- I always say to my daughter, I don't recognize those people because the, <laughs> My parents, the way were they were with me, yeah. they're not like that with her. <laughs> no, I don't course. know who those people are. <laughs> they spoil her. They were very strict with me. Uh-huh. I couldn't do anything. And then my daughter comes over and they're giving her all kind of taking her there, here, there, everywhere. It's she different to be a grandparent than it is to yeah. parents. Sure. Yeah. And they're more relaxed now. Like you say, as you get older, you kind of like, you yeah. Yeah. a bit. Yeah, but they and don't like, have to The pressure's her. not on them. That's it. The pressure's not on them. It's on you. It's mm-hmm. on me. They can, they can give her all the sugar God. and, and I'm as the much as they guy. want, but then it's yeah. you to like rein that shit back in. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I think that's the difference. Yeah. And culturally, I think that's like the difference. And then just like even little things like, you know, girl power and all this other stuff and like gender roles. Yeah, generals. tell me about that because you're like in the you're like in the in, and so we talk about this a lot, like raising the next generation of amazing people. Yeah, Dina has four boys, and I have a boy and a girl. And ever since having a girl, I feel this like oh my god pressure to be like we are the watershed generation <laughs> when it comes to body image and healthy relationship with food. But yeah. we are going to try really fucking hard to yeah. set, the, set the the foundation for the next generation to have healthy relationships. Maybe you know I with know. whatever. Like what's your people, take on like oh my gosh what's raising your daughter and and those pieces well, there? My daughter is actually f- she's almost as tall as me. She's she's nine and she has an eight and a half foot in women. Yeah. She's about one hundred and thirty odd pounds or mm-hmm. something. She's not a small kid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people just assume she's older. Assume she's older and treat her that way, and they mm-hmm. don't recognize that she's still very young. And actually, when we bring it back to the breasts. Mm-hmm. There's so many studies that show that women are actually becoming, there's there's something called deep cup syndrome where women are getting larger breasts now than they ever have before. Deep cup syndrome? Yeah. Have you heard of this? No. Go, yeah. Nadine. So Go, it's school like, us. It's like larger breast. Like that's why all these young teenage girls are having larger breasts and they're getting, their body shape is very different than when we were younger. If you look at people, even in the 80s, like in our generation, when people were, working out or whatever, the body type was different. It was just a smaller, different frame than they are today. And there's well, certainly a, there's more obesity and stuff too. So maybe, right. And, and earlier, um, earlier development and earlier yep. puberty and stuff. whole bunch of factors. Food, hormones, environment. We don't even know. I think we don't even know. We just, we just yeah. guess it's all these things and who, who actually knows? Yeah. Maybe it was meant to be this way or maybe it's pollution or maybe it's estrogen and who knows? We don't know, yes. right? So, the, But there's just a whole bunch of factors. And so I feel like that's like a really big thing because- my daughter is nine and we're having conversations about, you know, breasts, period. Just like the normal things that like my parents did not have a conversation with me about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's definitely something that I think is very prevalent. deep cup syndrome. I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also very prevalent because now you're seeing, like before the average size, you know, you would see on a mannequin, I guess, or mannequins don't count, okay, because they're not real still. Yeah. But in general, when you go to stores, I think it would be about like a 34C. I mean, today it's a 34G is like the size that people are seeing. That's like one of our most popular sizes. Hmm. And that's what the average is now becoming. The average mm-hmm. would be 34? I would think it'd be bigger. Um, I don't know. Not the G part, but the 34 part. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, isn't the average woman's size like a 10 or 12 or whatever? Like a yeah. real 10 or 12, not this. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, but that'd be bigger than the 34, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think most of our women that like buy, we're, they're in that range, like 34 to 38. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting. Oh, you want to, I'm going to tell you something else that's totally off topic. No, it's not off. Nothing's off topic. Everything's but on topic. I actually met two women at like the same event for the first time in my life that lactated under their arm. They had a nipple under their arm and they didn't realize it until they started lactating. And I have never seen that in my life where somebody could breastfeed from under their arm. They had milk coming out from under their arm. And a nipple on their, like a mid They have the regular nipples, but and you can't nipple. see the nipple yeah. under the arm. But they, but they were complaining that it's really painful. And so like all these interesting things, and I'm like, are these normal things that people just don't talk about or are these like anomalies of so things. many things in this podcast <laughs> yeah. that I've never I have heard to of say, I have to say I've never seen that or heard of it I mean I, I yes. definitely like supernumerary nipples but I've never seen a supernumerary like an extra nipple that yeah. lactated and it was there was milk coming and it was so hilarious it was just interesting I don't want to say it was hilarious but it was it's really annoying it was like shocking like or it was two there. women at the same event I was like I really don't want to breach confidentiality but I, I see that you're freaking out about this but I want you to know somebody else here is in the same position as you and I'm going to ask her if it would be okay for you both to talk about it because mm-hmm. they felt like a freak. They okay, really felt so, like that. Okay, what is this called? I don't, I don't know what that's I've called. Never heard of it I don't know what it's called. And okay. so that's Google why they're lactating bra- armpit. Yeah, mm-hmm. their bra could not go up high, right? Because you know sometimes underneath yeah. underneath our armpit, yes, we want the bra to fit a certain way. Some people, you know, like it's like to cover the back properly or whatever. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have it come up too high because it created a lot of pressure and pain where the milk was coming out. Oh my lantern. <laughs> it's amazing. There are all kinds. They're so if anybody's kinds. listening and they have a, a lactating underarm, yeah, yeah. It's wow. totally normal. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's a thing. I guess it's not I'm not sure normal, but you're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. It's not a thing. It's a thing. It's a yeah, thing. It's a thing. Wow. Like a retroverted uterus. Yeah. It's a thing. What's that? Where your uterus is backwards. What is it called? Retroverted uterus. There's all sorts of different uteruses, actually. Yeah. You could have a corneate uterus where there's like kind of two horns to it. So you have like two different kind of areas. You could have like two different uteruses separated completely. You could have a heart-shaped uterus. It's you like, could have... Yeah, my, my gynecologist was like, it's like if you had blonde hair or brown hair or it's just part of being a woman. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, uterine differences are actually really common, but it's also a cause of fertility or pregnancy loss. Because let's say you have, you know, not the typical kind of shape you have a smaller area or bicornea which is like these two horns kind of thing mm-hmm. the baby may not be able to grow properly because it's a smaller space as an example mm-hmm. anyway yeah whoa we're all getting schooled here today <laughs> eh? all Fuck types me i can't yeah, wait types. to hear what people have to say and like weigh in mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see well actually this is this interesting so about this weird uterus stuff i have a patient in the practice who just had her first baby um who during pregnancy found out that she has two uteruses and actually two vaginas <gasps> But one vagina isn't actually fully open, so she didn't know it existed. But on ultrasound, they were like, oh, you have a uterus. Oh, you have another one. They thought it was another baby, but it wasn't. And then on further like imaging and intravaginal um, ultrasound, they actually found that she actually had two completely separate systems. Like she's like a twin in one, if that makes sense. Oh, my god! So she could. Uh, the One vagina is, vagina is not open. Though I have seen a kid with two vaginas, like two holes, which you could theoretically get pregnant in each of them. And she had two uteruses, this kid did. So you can get pregnant with like non-twin twins and two different uteruses. Oh there was a woman my. who was pregnant like that. I think right? it is. I think overseas, she was yeah. pregnant and she was almost full term and then she got pregnant again and yes. she was pregnant with two different, that's theoretically possible if you have two uteruses, two vaginas. Anyway, in this particular case, his mom <laughs> delivered from one vagina and the baby was in one uterus, but she is could, the if they person? opened up. No, this is a patient in the practice. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. If they had opened up the vagina, if they knew it even existed, like you could surgically open that. She could theoretically get pregnant to two different vaginas into two different uteruses. How cool is that? Oh, that is pretty amazing. <laughs> she cool, should right? get a medal. Yeah. <laughs> she should get an Olympic she knew it existed. She didn't know it existed. Oh she's pregnant. Wow. They were like, what's this other thing? Oh, wait a second. We think this is another uterus. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Cool, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a superpower. Yeah. yeah. That's a superpower. That yeah. is a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Superwoman. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. This is a not direction, but I'm super happy it has. My Lanta. What, what do you suggest for women that are like, you know, feeling shitty about themselves? Besides, obviously, getting you know, pretty lingerie that makes them feel good about themselves. Do you have like other strategies or other like yeah, resources? Get new friends. Or? No, I'm just yeah. Get new yeah. friends. Yeah. No, edit your Instagram account. Hmm. 
we or can go off of Instagram. Yeah. That's a Sam core trainer. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's so, yeah. it's so important. You know what? You don't just consume food. You consume a whole bunch of things, so. media, everything, what people say about you. I, I consume less and less social media yeah. every day. I think when I'm done breastfeeding, actually, I probably will consume almost no social media because it's really the only time I go on there. Yeah. But I've gotten rid of so many people that I was following before because it, made me not feel good yeah and, and not about myself per se because I, i'm confident and i don't really give a fuck what other people are doing but the the constantly seeing people with sometimes they're showing true versions of themselves and sometimes yes. they are not and i think i'm always so i'm cautious and non-trusting well and it's a it's a highlight reel right that's why i love yeah. alana i love your stories because they you. kill me <laughs> When I, I keep it real when I yeah when keep I do get real. a chance keep to go it real. through <laughs> it's tougher right like if we're in the business of being social and creating community yeah. I, the reality is most of the women in, in North America are online and I think that's a really tough space to be in mm-hmm. and um, I think what's refreshing about you and me to be honest um, and Dina also I think you're you've been very good actually with this a lot in your feed is like when you scroll through your feed and you see so much of the same fucking garbage, yeah. which is somebody's smoothie or somebody who was a fitness influencer and now is a mom. And that's totally not sustainable. And that's not real life. Yeah. It's when you see something that looks a little bit like real and it quacks like a duck and it acts like a duck yeah. and it's probably a duck. Yeah. Right. And then when you, it's so clear that what isn't, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and it's funny when Dara Bergion was here from um, my mom, Bod Love, she really resonated with me because to some degree, she's like, if your job is to influence yeah. and you're getting paid for that, like maybe you should be a little bit careful about how you talk about like, this is me with my stomach sucked in. <gasps> this is my, this is me flexing. You know, that's body positivity. It's like, oh, fuck your fucking yeah. body positivity. You yeah. want to see body positivity? Mm-hmm. Watch me try and bras in Beijing's fitting room. <laughs> that that's true. body positivity. That is really true. You know how many yeah. people wrote in and was like, that was an amazing, like whole Instagram story. That whole thing was amazing because people felt they could relate to you. They just had another level of respect for you. Like it was just, cause it was a very yeah, it took some balls vulnerable. That, yes. Way. And yeah. you were so great with that. It's a very vulnerable thing to do. And I was like six weeks postpartum. Yes. Like I was like, you know, still brand new, brand new to second time motherhood. Yeah. yeah. I think In a way, that's, that's a better time to do it though. It is because also Nadine was so gentle with me mm. about it too. She like really boosted my mm. <laughs> already very big head <laughs> to be even bigger than my tits. I think, I think that's like a big thing. I, you know, social media is a really big thing. I yeah. think the other thing is really pay attention to who you are outside of your body. Mm. What yeah, do man. you have to offer yeah, man. outside of what you look like? Like that's what I always say. No one's eulogizing your waist size. No, nobody <laughs> cares about that. Yeah. Like your children don't care oh, about God. that. My son just like loves me up and down. They don't even right. notice. I don't think they notice. I, I no. don't think my bigger kids notice. Like if I'm heavier or, or, or whatever, no. like yeah. even like as I am not pregnant now, but as I get pregnant, I'm starting to gain weight. My kids have never been like, wait a second, why are you fatter now? They don't even notice it. And I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm pregnant. They're like, oh yeah, you're pregnant. Like they don't, care they don't notice Elias's yeah. best friend who's two and a half his name's Leo I picked up Elias from daycare the other day and I was wearing like a like a dress that's like a summer dress but it's sat in such a way she goes do you have a baby in your tummy mm. I was like oh god it's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> the worst thing that's happened today but that's children they will say whatever they will exactly their mind. there's no filter there yeah exactly yeah. his mom just and he's probably baby. excited about it he's yeah. probably like yay no I was like don't tell Elias that because yeah. that ain't <laughs> happening right now please Leo <laughs> don't tell Elias yeah uh, yeah no out of the mouth of babes yeah you're right I think like get new friends get a new Instagram find value outside find value. of just your body no, you're not defined your entire sense of self and I find that's interesting with like the advent of Mom's Teo and now Mom Fest and like the resounding success of people wanting to come together I think around our messaging which is like you are more than your waist size yeah. and your entire identity doesn't need to be wrapped up and like getting your body back you can like enjoy your life like yeah. you can have the Doritos and go for a walk yeah it's okay and right you know yeah. what like sometimes we need that like a fucking glass I, of wine and smoke a J and yeah, it's fine. Like you emote you you just need something that is not going to be overly toxic to your environment because you can't be disoriented. Yeah. Right. You know, eating candy or eating chocolate or right. eating oh god a, p- a slice of pizza because it's fast balance. and it's there. It's just yeah. balance, right? It's, yeah. It's sometimes that's what it is, and yeah. it's better than you know. Speaking of Sam, like. I had this thing because I have like a whole bunch of things that I have going on with my health. And mm-hmm. I said to Sam, well, I'm not supposed to eat this stuff. This is Sam right? Core Trainer. She's yeah. a pretty big, big name in yeah, the so postpartum like, health What's industry. better? Do I just not eat at all? Or mm-hmm. do I eat this thing mm-hmm. and you know and mess up my... Like what... 
you know, it, I feel like just the messaging around food and it's like very confusing. It's, Too many freaking rules. It's toxic. Yeah, and people set all these rules about for everything, right? Yeah. I think it, it, you know, my my question to you is like, what do you tell them? Whatever. One yeah. thing that I was thinking we were just talking is talk to your partner because yeah. I feel like. It, it, like I'm really terrible at this. Like I could be one minute postpartum <laughs> and just like you look hot. Yeah. And I'm looking at myself like I look and feel disgusting. But he'd be like, I do that shit. And he would literally say that. I would do that or whatever. As <laughs> shitty as you're feeling. It's true okay. though. It's I know I just like, but like your patient. Here's, here's yeah. something. If he had said to you, you know what, actually, Dina, you look gross, how yes. would you feel? Yeah. Wouldn't you be like, you're an Oh my God, I would never get over that. Ever, yeah. ever, ever. Would you or but would if, you like Cuss him off and kick, like, okay, that's no, creepy to I would me, be like, like so I cuss him off hurt. and be like, are you? I, I would be so hurt. No, but I guess what I'm getting at is as, yeah. as gross as I ever felt postpartum or any other time in my life, yeah. Andrew still loved my body. You know, you said this on the, on the first podcast, I think, like, you know, Matt would love you 50 pounds up, 50 pounds down, 50 pounds around or something. Yeah. And that, that, yeah. that line will always like kind of stick with me because I think the people that love us, love us, it doesn't matter, our right. friends or our partners, they don't give a shit if we're yeah. five pounds up or yeah. five pounds down or yeah. 40 pounds up or 100 pounds up or yeah. whatever it is. Like he, he was still do me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and I think that's important too. Like listen yeah. to the people that love you because they have a different perspective on it than you do. Right. And we did a whole event. We do a few events at the factory and we did a mothers and daughters event, body confidence in November. And it was really interesting because one of the things that we were talking about is like, just, you know, what's really interesting is people assume that if you're thin, you're actually healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. And the older you get, the more you realize it's actually very untrue. So a lot of people who are thin have said that it's like the unhappiest they've ever been in their life because they felt like they had to manage everything. Not everybody, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like in general, mm-hmm. in this one event that we had, it, there was a lot of people that came out and they 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 were more concerned about like raising their children with eating disorders and like with the amount of things that girls are seeing today, yeah. right? So just this whole narrative around you know, being smaller size of you is not necessarily the best version of you. Amen. Fucking right? say it again, Nadine. Say it one more time. The smaller size of you is not necessarily the best version Amen. of you. Yeah. I'm telling you, Nadine, it is so pervasive because I'm, I find that um, in that particular conversation around body size, Yes, I wrote an article called I'm a Fat Mom. It went fucking viral. Like I could have been saying like fat is the new fucking, it's a trigger word for people. Just saying the word fat. People well, we, like, have a, we live in a fat phobic society. Right. And people, like, it's a trigger though for anybody who is, dis, he has disordered eating, which is different than an eating disorder, which yeah. I think is basically everybody yeah. has a fucking unhealthy relationship with food. And it was Dara who said like, I didn't have bread in the house forever. I was like, oh my God, I haven't had bread in the house <laughs> for three years because I don't want to have the temptation, but my kids should, should see bread. You know, it really, I buy bread now ever since that Dara mm. podcast. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny how these conversations actually resonate in our lives. And I see it, Dina, people come to me all the time now with feedback about the podcast. And uh, it's interesting. I wanted to do a whole campaign about, had the hashtag I'm a fat mom and have like everybody do a whole fat mom mm. thing. And I had a bunch of girls on my team actually say like, I am so uncomfortable with that. We cannot do that. Hmm. Like, so I, I was dead in the water, but yeah. I want to do a hashtag I'm a fat mom and like whoever, like reclaim the word fat in a way that's yeah. like pretty hot and tempting. Like that sort of thing. Like make it like a, like a joke saying like, and what was their discomfort with it? They themselves had, had disordered eating in the past and body dysmorphia and, and they Whatever felt like that'd be a trigger for. They felt there's gonna be a trigger for I people. Like just That's the word fair. fat is a tr- is triggering, or even this conversation for some people could be triggering because yeah. it's uncomfortable. I yeah. get a lot. Listen, yeah. you know we don't only focus on breastfeeding, like I was saying, and some people will say, you know what? Well, this turns me off because you promote breastfeeding, and I couldn't breastfeed, so I'm just not gonna. You know, it it's it's obviously something personal for them, right? Yes, Can, the breastfeeding dialogue itself is is divisive. It's very and some triggering. Also, yeah. find it's triggering. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you have the best of intentions and you, we're all going to make mistakes. We're human. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It, yeah. My favorite <laughs> saying of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not like you're trying to say things that are really meant to hurt people or you're trying to be insulting. And if you are, and if you didn't realize it, then you just apologize and you repair and you move on. It's not like it's something that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, well, I love you, Nadine Wood. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. No, you were like, she ran this conference and I went to it and she's like this beautiful woman <laughs> and just like a million bucks. And this conference was like so content rich. Yeah. It was so is... good, Nadine. She did this like, maternal conference. Yeah. Con- do you do it, it was- every year? Well, we did, but this year we decided not to because we're working on 
building up other parts of it. Yeah. And but we really wanted to bring both the medical and I don't like to use this term, but alternative, mm-hmm. you know, together because they do operate in silos. Sure. I mean, our first conference we had this amazing doctor and he worked on men's postpartum depression at one hospital. And yeah. we had a psychiatrist who worked at for women's postpartum depression at another hospital. You know, they the work that they do is so interrelated because a lot of women, you know, were very against, oh my God, what do you mean my husband can get postpartum depression? Well, that's we, legit. Yeah. And when we went through the whole thing, I was like, oh, in tears, like starting to empathize with their yeah. partner instead of judge, right? Mm. And that's like a whole other conversation. But things like that is what we're trying to do. And then also shed light and awareness on the things, the people that are underprivileged, like talking about the socioeconomic barriers to access to things. And yeah. The fact that race is a really big problem and it still is and people Amen, don't talk sister. about it. And I, that's one of the biggest things we're trying to tackle right now, mm-hmm. right? And how, how do we serve those communities without telling them what they need? You have to listen to those communities. So it's just like trying to get into the, all those those bits and pieces. Well, that's what makes you so special, Nadine, because you're not just a business owner. Like the ethos of your values run so deep and you live it right yeah. and maybe it's because you've been a parent or in the mom game for so long and you've seen the transition but you were like were a pioneer in these conversations yeah about race about about Size. postpartum yeah. about the fourth trimester like mm-hmm. you were really it was your fight song and I feel like it's interesting because maybe you didn't get enough credit to be honest yeah. that now it's sort of blown up all over and it's kind of like the dialogue all over the place but you yeah. were really on the on the ground floor so yeah you're a founder you. you're a founding Mofo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the word. Yeah. I was, I was a founding mother, but I feel like that wasn't cool enough. No, it so wasn't. Founding oh. Mofo. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that. Okay. Founding, I want that at the, the, at the next yeah. Mom's Tio yeah. event. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Founding <laughs> Mofo. Nadine, if people want to find you, where can they, where can they mm-hmm. get at you? At our Instagram account is probably the best way. Yes. Right. I would say, and that's at, at mayanajanvial.com. And I'm pretty sure they're going to drop a link yes. so that you don't have to go searching for that and mm-hmm. looking that up. And why will, is it, why is it called that? I actually named it after myself and my daughter. Hmm. Um, that's the first name is both of our middle names. Mm-hmm. And the next name was a variation of the the name Genevieve. And I've always loved that. It's a French name, but it really, it means woman of the people. Hmm. And I felt like the name needed to mean something very rich and meaningful, just like everything else in the business. Yeah. Love it. You know, love so, it. so yeah. So I think that's probably one of the best ways to find us. We really have our dialogues there on Instagram. Um, yeah, and then of course the website, and then if you're in Toronto, yeah, come by, so book an you appointment. Have to see it, you just need to even go see it because it's the most beautiful, like literally the most beautiful. Yeah, um, I always, Dina, what do you, what did you learn today, Dean? I want to look up this nipple thing, and also yes. here's what the the double cup thing or whatever the deeper cup, whatever yes. you call that. Yeah, deep yeah. cup deep syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. yeah. I learned so much. We've interviewed like almost 30 people, Nadine, in the last five months. And this is like the most surprising podcast, I think, so far. I could talk like sexy lingerie sales lady. It's like all of a sudden it's like there's so many layers there. I deal with body image and emotional vomiting all day. Like people just do that to me all day. And so it's like a part of like the work that I do, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it comes part and parcel, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, I love you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks thanks for, for having me. You all Mom's were awesome. Um, you need a bra. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew is nodding. Andrew, well, Andrew actually left for comments while we were talking about like laundry and stuff. But yeah, but and we're twenty minutes away from you. Not okay. even. Well, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, we're twenty minutes. But yeah, yeah. I, I, what, yeah you, what you missed, Andrew, is we were talking about like how. I think partners would really like to see their women in beautiful things also because they feel beautiful and mm-hmm. therefore they feel their best, et cetera. And that usually like I'm just naked and we're like, okay, and that's it. And there's no like clothing first because it seems like an accessory that's unnecessary, yeah. but it would be nice. Would it not? It's like, yeah. a, it's like wrapping Nina on a present. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody likes to take the bow off sometimes. Yeah, that's, you know? that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Wrapping is important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just like, it's like my little secret. And then yeah. when I take my tits out, it's like, boom, <laughs> gorgeous tits inside of a gorgeous bra. That's how I feel. Gorgeous package. <laughs> Ribbon off. <laughs> Thanks, Nadine. Thank you. Sunset say fuck. Peace, y'all. <laughs> Drop the mic. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoy the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at MomsTO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback. 
because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.